0: We're going to kick this message off this morning with a testimony, and it's awesome and it's powerful, and I'm going to introduce him, but you already know him, right? You guys know Cody Teague. We love Cody. We love what God's doing in his life, and so I want you to, now how do we welcome people to the gathering? I want you to do that. Like, how do we welcome them when they come to the platform? Come on, here we go, Cody Teague.
1: What's up? Good morning. So I'm going to, I want to respect the time, so I'm going to just jump in this thing, right? Statistics would say that I shouldn't even be up here today. You know, statistics would say that I should be in a rehab somewhere recovering, probably for the fourth or fifth time. You see, for six years of my life, I was an alcoholic. Many of things led up to that, such as a dysfunctional childhood, being molested as a kid, um, let's not forget the family history of addiction, and then my own choices. By the age of 18, I was already out of my own, graduated high school, but was determined that I would never be an alcoholic. I would never get a DUI. I would never be anything like my family. Age 21, I get my first DUI. You see, alcohol done something for me, and I was addicted to it because it suppressed the stuff that was on the inside. It drowned out that scared little boy that I had never dealt with the pain. I moved to the beach to get a fresh new start, and I found that no matter where I went, I showed up. Age 22, get my second DUI. This time I had ran off the side of the road and flipped my car five times. Age 23, moved to Albemarle, North Carolina. By then I knew for a fact that no matter where I went, I showed up. Age 23, I try to do this Jesus thing. I'm tired of drinking. I, I know that Jesus is real, and I know that he can change my life. But, you see, I was coming to church on Sunday, raising my hands to God, but I was bowing down to alcohol on Saturday. I was broken. I was hurt. Age 24, I'm tired of living this life. I'm tired of living in bondage. I'm tired of alcohol destroying my life. Age 24, I consulted with Pastor Paul. I said, Pastor Paul, I got an addiction problem. Pastor Paul recommends Teen Challenge, a 14 month long discipleship program where I can find true healing and encounter the living God. Age 24, I don't want to go to Teen Challenge. In fact, I quit coming to church altogether. Until a couple of months later, I come back on a random Sunday. God had a huge surprise for me. Teen Challenge was doing the service. Yeah. But I hate to say I didn't accept that invitation right away. Age 24, two weeks later, I find myself on my back porch, lost, denying the fact that a God like that could save me like he did those men. I believe this lie that Satan had hatched in my mind that I was destined for destruction, cursed to be a failure, always an alcoholic. You know, once an addict, always an addict. And at the short age of, or the young age of 24, I decided that I would hang myself from a tree, but God. Because at age 24, on April the 28th, 2016, I bit my knee before the cross, and I said, God, I'm giving it all to you. I'll go to Teen Challenge. I'll do what you want. And Paul drove me to Teen Challenge. That was a good part of the story, but at age 25, I traded the bottle for the Bible, I learned what it meant to be a disciple, I learned what it meant to be a new creation, the old man died, the new man rise. and at age 26, I walked across the platform at Raresburg Teen Challenge in Pennsylvania, and I graduated Teen Challenge. Thank you, thank you. But that's not the best part of the story, you see, because once an addict, always an addict, right? What about the statistics of the world that say that you can't change? You're always going to be a drunk. Because at age 27, April the 28th, 2019, right here on this stage, three years later, I stand before you free. Free from the chains of alcohol. Let me tell you something. There is true freedom in Jesus Christ. I don't care what statements or statistics of the world want to say. I know today I stand a new creature in Christ I stand as a statement of his love, his power, and his grace. And I'm on fire for him. I'm no longer the same. If there's anybody in here that's struggling with addiction, let me tell you something. There is freedom in Christ. There was no 12-step method. There was no alternative treatments. It was strictly me and the living God. Me encountering the living Christ. It was a relationship. It is a relationship. The new is now. The old is gone and the new has come. You know, my life verse says that I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So, thank you for listening. I'm just going to give my life to him.
0: What would you sell everything for? What would be so valuable that you would sell everything, give everything away for? Here's here's what I would guess. I would guess that your list isn't long and it didn't take a long time to think of it. Because when we start to talk about value, the conversation gets weighty, the list gets shorter. Would you sell everything you have to find a cure if your child was terminal? Sure you would. What would you sell everything for? Today we're going to look at one verse, just one verse. We kick off this burn series. What happens when God answers by fire? Well, I can tell you right away, Cody. That happens when God answers by fire. One verse, Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. And here's what we're going to find. In this one verse, Jesus adds something to the list. He adds another item to the list of things that we should sell everything for. Matthew 13, here's what it says. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. Listen, this is not a story about farming or how to get rich quick or why pirates search for buried treasure, right? This is a story... About the kingdom. I want to be clear. There is one main character in this story, and the main character is the treasure a kingdom that's worth everything. But the moving piece in the story is the man. And how he interacts with a kingdom and a treasure. And that's what I want us to focus on this morning. This this man who finds treasure and responds a certain way. Here's what I want you to see about the kingdom. A kingdom that is worth everything will cost everything. But it will be valued above everything a kingdom that is worth everything will cost us everything but it will be valued above everything what i want to make sure that you see in this one verse is that the treasure's weight the treasure's worth never changes it doesn't go up and down like the stock market the the treasure was worth what it was worth whether the man recognized it or not what changes in the story is how he interacts. And here's what I think we're going to see. Three things that he valued that we need to value. You ready? Three things. Now, a couple of, a couple of um, cultural realities that we need to understand about that time so that we'll understand what he did. Number one, buried treasure was common. This was a, a, um, a culture where there was a lot of fighting. They didn't have banks. And so if you had something really valuable, you would want to find somewhere to hide it. And most people would dig somewhere on their land and hide it there and so they knew where it was. No treasure maps needed, right? They knew where it was. If they needed it, they'd go get it. But in a land, in a culture where there was fighting and people would travel for wars, sometimes the landowner who hid the treasure would actually go off to war and guess what? Not come back. And now there's hidden treasure, but nobody knows where it is. Burying treasure was common, but finding it was not. I read one commentator, he said, it was so rare to find buried treasure, it would happen once in a thousand lifetimes. I'm not sure I buy that. That seems like a long time. But I think his point was, it wasn't like people were just going out every day and just winning the lottery by finding treasure. It was a rare occurrence when somebody found treasure. What I want you to see is that the treasure was always just below the surface. Can you picture this? Can you picture somebody new comes along and buys that field, and that person hires out day laborers to come and work the field, and people are working on that field, and they don't even know it, but just below the surface. It's kind of like going to the beach, isn't it? If we knew what was just below the surface, maybe we're not going in the water, right? I tell you all the time, like, if I could be God for a day, forget a day, if I could just be God for, like, a moment in the summertime, my act as God would be to make it so hot that everybody wants to go in the water, and then when they all get in the water at the beach, I would just be, like, snap, and the water would just be translucent, and everybody would see all the stuff underneath them, right? That would be awesome. They'd be running out fast. Sometimes we forget the things that are just below the surface. And what I want you to see is the treasure was always just below the surface. They're above the, the ground working. But here's what I want you to understand. Treasure wasn't always found, but treasure could be found at any time. Now, how does that apply to us? I think we take the move of God for granted. I think we treat moves of God like they're common. Can I just push a little bit today? When the Spirit starts to move, and, and I'm, I'm a little biased, right? I, I think I pastored the best church in the city, right? I'm a little biased. I believe that our church is on the front end of something amazing. Just there's a hunger and a stirring in people's hearts for more and just a depth of God. It's not like what we had before is terrible. It's just like, God, that was great, but I I want something else. And there's this stirring. I don't know if you sense that or not, but a lot of us are sensing that stirring. And we're on the front end of it, and here's what I think we do. I think we get casual with that. We say this to God. "Ah." I mean, if you had moved last year when I wasn't quite so busy, maybe I'd be all about that corporate prayer thing but i got a lot going on right now, God. I'll catch the next one. I don't know if there will be a next one because finding the kingdom is rare. Moves of God are so rare that the ones that really shape the world get named. The Welsh Revival. None of us experienced it. We have to read about it. Azusa Street. Our denomination... Birth out of that, the awakening, the Great Awakening, the Second Great Awakening, like the Haystack Revivals. We name these things because they're so rare. And what we do is, hey, Paul, that's awesome that y'all like God's moving to our church, but I just ain't got time for that. So I'll, it's good. I already talked to God; we got it worked out. I'll just jump on the next one. And what you need to see here is sometimes that treasure is just below the surface. And we take for granted that anytime we want, we can find it. But it was rare. I was a big Miami Dolphins fan before the Panthers came to town. Anybody here Miami Dolphins fan? <laughs> Man, I am, I am working solo today. I became, we, don't, we might not have time for this, I'll try to school. I became a Miami Dolphins fan because I was sitting in church Way back in the day, when they went to the Super Bowl, and they played the Washington Redskins, and the, the pastor there was a Redskins fan, and he got up after the service, and he said, and don't forget, y'all, go home, and when you're watching, just pray for the Redskins to win. And I was like eight years old or something, and I just thought how awful that was, that he would tell the whole church to pray for the Redskins, and like, no one's praying for the Dolphins. So I said, I'm going to pray for the Dolphins. So I prayed for the Dolphins, and they won. So if y'all need prayer later, just let me know, right? They won 14-7. to It was fantastic. And from then on, I was a Dolphins fan. And I remember when they got this quarterback named Dan Marino. And I know that's old school, but even if you're young, you know the name Dan Marino. He's still got records. And his, his second full season as the starting quarterback, he, he had, like, these two receivers, um, and he would throw touchdowns like crazy, and they killed the league. They went to the Super Bowl, and it was like, this is sweet, and they lost. They lost the Super Bowl. And here's what Dan Marino said later that he thought after that loss. We'll, we'll get back next year. He never got back. He never got back. And he said later in his career, if I had known How hard it is to get to the Super Bowl, I would have enjoyed it more when I was there. Listen, we take the things of God for granted like they happen all the time. And and I don't want to do that. So here's the takeaway from this we've got to learn how to value the moment. Some Sundays, we sense God more, don't we? Is that honest enough to say? Can I just tell you this? On the Sundays when you sense him, value the moment. I just don't know if I want to do anything with that today. I'm, I'll come back next Sunday. I'll, I'll, I'll go to the altar then. Yeah, but the next Sunday you might not feel the same way you did. He's a now God. And so we've got to learn how to value that moment. Value the moment. Um, anybody here bad at Math. Okay, oh, I'm in, so now I'm in good company. Not the dolphins thing, but the math thing. Okay, I got you. Have you ever, um, oh, math is like tricky. Math is one of those things where it's always the little mistake, isn't it? It's the careless error. It's like, oh, it was a plus, not a minus. Or I thought it was a, a multiplication, but I, it was actually 45 degrees. It's a plus. Like if you just make one small error, the whole thing's jacked up, right? And the worst part about math is, have you ever, have you ever stared at a problem and you know it's not right, but no matter how long you stare at it, you can't figure out where the mistake is. That will that'll, that'll frustrate you, especially if your teacher's like, looking over your shoulder. Hypothetically speaking, I'm not saying it's ever happened to me. But if that's happening, it's a lot of pressure. A lot of pressure. There's something about this verse that's always, like, it's never quite added up for me. It's never made sense. And, and, and here it is. It says that the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure... That a man discovered hidden in a field. Okay, I'm, I'm good there so far. In his excitement, he hit it again. Not sure about that. We'll figure that in a minute. And sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the. That's the part. That's the, That's it. That's the part of the math problem. I just keep going like, why do he buy the field? Why, why, not just get the treasure? He bought a whole lot of dirt to get the treasure. And that doesn't add up for me. He knows what he wants, but he piles a whole bunch of dirt. And then I learned about the laws of that day. Check this out. If a day laborer, and this is what this man was, he's a day laborer. He's working a field. He's been hired to do that. If a day laborer stumbled across treasure, anything hidden in that field, the minute he uncovers it and pulls it out of the ground, legally, it becomes the property of the owner of the field. Unless you uncover it and don't lift it out of the ground. So he discovers it. Holy cow. There's... It's like, y'all are Survivor. You know when I, like, find a hidden immunity idol? And they're like, "Ah, ah, 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 And then they start talking to the camera. I'm like, you don't think the other contestants can see the camera? Hello? It's like, the best thing I've ever discovered. Can't tell anybody. So he uncovers it, and he says, in his excitement, he he hides it again. He buries it. Because he knew the law. And he went and sold everything he had to buy the field so that when he lifted the treasure out, it would be his. Ownership changes everything. How do I know that? Well, I used to drive my dad's cars. And I didn't like them. Something changed about the way I viewed cars. It started back when I started sending $203.11 a month to the bank to pay for the car that they were holding for me. I couldn't find a picture exactly of it, but it was a 1984 Honda Accord hatchback. It was charcoal, not red, and it did have those awesome louvers on the back. It was hot. And it was mine. And guess what I used to do with that car? No, no. Come on, man. I used to wash it. I used to wash it. Guess who told me to? Nobody. I didn't like washing my dad's car. And I didn't wash my dad's car until he said, wash my car. No one had to tell me to wash that car. No one had to tell me to pull trash out of the inside. If somebody left trash in my car, I'd be like, whoa, hold up. I think you forgot something, right? Ownership changes everything. The kingdom of heaven is worth more than the cost of discipleship. It's worth all the dirt. And listen, if you're around people who love Jesus, There's a whole lot of dirt. And the kingdom is worth all that. It's worth the hassle. It's worth whatever we have to purchase to get it. And the thing about the kingdom is it will cost us everything we have and it will still be worth more than anything we had. Buy the field. What does that mean? It means we have got to value the investment Listen, I'm not an idiot. I know that it's hard work sometimes to follow Jesus. I know that sometimes there are seasons when we get busy. And we're just like, I just don't know, man, if I can do that. man, God, it's Wednesday, that prayer thing. Outside. And I'm not trying to beg you to come to prayer. Last thing I want on Wednesday night is a room full of people that don't want to be there. We had a room full of people who wanted to be here Wednesday, and it was phenomenal. But it costs something, doesn't it? I mean, we actually had to stay up late to watch Survivor that night because we had to DVR and watch when we went home. It costs something. There's a bunch of other stuff we could be doing with our time and reading the Bible or praying or ha- having coffee with a Christian friend to encourage them. But we've got to value the investment. Sometimes you have to buy the field to get the treasure, and here's, here's the last one. Thinking about dirt, right? Not only did this man buy a lot of dirt, but he worked a lot of dirt. He dug through a lot of dirt. It's crazy to me how much dirt there is. Listen to this verse, 2 Corinthians 4, 7. I'll read it to you first in the New Living Translation. We now have this light shining in our hearts, and we ourselves are like fragile clay jars. Anybody know what clay comes from? Right. It's a cup. It's a cup of dirt. Clay jars containing this great treasure. The New International Version says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay. We have this treasure in bodies of dirt. And let me ask you this question. The treasure that this man found would never have been discovered without a process that was ordinary and hard, and probably a little bit fruitless. Kind of how you feel about going to work tomorrow. But you're going to go. Your treasure is the paycheck. I get it. But this man, he went to work every day. He worked that field every day. He was committed to doing that every single day. And it was in that moment that he uncovered what would change his destiny forever. Treasure hunters don't quit. Can I just state the obvious? There's a whole lot of dirt to dig through in our city to find the kingdom. There's a whole lot of dirt to dig through in me to find the kingdom. There's a lot of dirt in this room. And we've got to be willing to dig through the dirt to find the kingdom. Be patient as you seek the kingdom, and be passionate when you find it. Man, what would happen if tomorrow, Monday, you're at Walmart in line. You're the eighth person in line. You're staring at that sign that says they promised to open up another lane if there's three. And you're like, well, that should be two more lanes open. I don't know what's happening right now, but ain't nobody doing nothing. You know what that is? It's called dirt. What if you were willing to dig through that dirt and find the kingdom? What if as you were in line, you started to dig a little bit and had a little conversation with the people near you, and you suddenly discovered the kingdom? What if today, when you get in the car and you go to lunch, you dig through the dirt? And find the kingdom. What if the person who serves you at lunch has a whole lot of dirt in their lives and you're the one that helps them discover the kingdom? You see where we're going with this? It takes a lot of patience to dig through the dirt. But when you find the kingdom, this man, don't miss it. He didn't go, oh, man, now I got to go sell stuff. That's not what the Bible says. It says, in his joy, in his excitement, he couldn't get out of there fast enough. I don't know if you if you realize this or not, but because he left his job, he he lost his job. That, that's about as all in as you can get, right? Day laborer, finds something, buries it again, can't wipe the grin off his face. He starts walking away, and his boss is like, whoa, 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 whoa. It's not break time. Where, where are you going? Uh... uh I got stuff I got to (laughs) do. Not till I say it's time to go. I've really really got it. If you walk off this property, you're fired. (sighs) All right. Do you know that when he stepped off the property, he didn't own it yet? He might not have known if he was going to have enough money when he sold everything. Are you getting what I'm saying to you? that he risked it all with no guarantee of getting anything. He just said, whatever this treasure is, it is so valuable. I hope I can come back and buy this field, but I'm going to give it a shot. No guarantee. Now, that's, that's a tough sell to America, right? Because we're like, give me the guarantee. If you promise me, if you promise me that if I fast for 40 days, If I actually turn the TV off and do a media fast for 40 days, or if I don't eat sweets for 40 days, if you promise me that I will lose five pounds, I'll do it. What if you just did it because you want more of God? With no guarantee of anything. What if we just went hard after God because the treasure is worth it? And and here's how we're going to end this. And it's a a horrible way to end it, so forgive me, okay? Because I'm going to say the L word in a minute. Don't be mad at me, okay? Don't be mad at me. But the minute, the minute anything in the church looks like work, we we throw the L word out. Well, that's legalism. I don't have to do that. I, I know. We don't have to do any of it. We get to choose it. Do you know why? Because a kingdom that is worth everything, we recognize it will cost us everything. Cody, 14 months, I was with him on the porch when I kept telling him, listen, Cody, I'm an old man. And 14 months is nothing compared to your whole life. But he was on the porch as a 24-year-old man going, 14 months is a lot of my life. And I'm like, I promise you, man, it's going to be worth it. And he's like, I don't know. Just, just get in the car, Cody. I'll kidnap you to Team Challenge. <laughs> right? But the man who stood on this stage this morning and gave a testimony, he would pay 14 months over and over again because he cost it cost him everything and now it is more valuable than anything do you want to know why we don't value the kingdom we don't pay for it we don't it doesn't cost us anything and I'm not talking about our salvation right we don't earn our salvation but this walk we have with Jesus is going to cost us something and until we're willing to pay the cost we'll never understand the value of it this man he understood the value of it Because he went and sold everything he had. Everything. My guess is he didn't purchase that treasure and stick it in a closet. It became the whole point of his existence was I have a field and I have treasure. And it changed everything. Here's the takeaway. Value the process. I mean, I can't tell you how many people I know. That start and stop and start and stop and start and stop and start and stop. And And then they come and they say, why aren't I growing? Because follow me. You start and stop. Start and stop. Hey, I got an idea. Let me show you how your spiritual life's working out for you. Come get in my car. Start it. Are you ready? Here we go. Stop it. Oh, you want to see that again? Okay. You ready? You ready? You ready? Stop it. How far is the car going? Nowhere. Like, that's why we're going nowhere because we start. Stop. I I started because I felt like it. I'm stopping it because I don't. And what I want you to see is, like, this man had a job, an ordinary, everyday, hot job for somebody else. And as he's working the process, he's patient, he's faithful, and he discovers something that changed his life. And when he found it, he got passionate and he risked everything. Chips are in the middle of the table, and I'm out of here because I'm going to go sell everything I have. And you don't know it yet, boss, but I'm going to come back and buy your place. And he did. For Cody sobriety has been a treasure. That literally cost him everything, and now is worth everything. I'm going to ask um, Megan and Summer to come back up and they're just going they're just gonna play some here at the end. That song we sang at the beginning, I see heaven, man, I just I can't I hear that song. I'm just like, man, that's a song of valuing the kingdom, isn't it?" I just see heaven invading, not just this place, but our city. And I want that. We, we sing in that song, we sing about the glory, right? I mean, did you sense that this morning as we're worshiping? Like, sometimes it's like there's God's here, and then it's like, oh, oh man, God's here. And the weightiness that comes with the presence of God. Man, I want to call you to that. I want to tell you as your pastor and as your friend. That whatever God is doing in my heart right now, whatever he's doing in my life right now, this could end up costing us everything. And at least on the front end of it, I'm like, let's go. Let's sell sell everything. Let's buy the field. All the dirt, all the stuff, let's just buy the field. Because once we buy the field, we're going to get that treasure. Would you close your eyes Would you just take a moment to evaluate where you are with the Lord right now? And let me just ask you this question. We started the whole thing with this question. What would you sell everything for? And maybe sell everything is too easy because that makes it a financial transaction. What would you give your life for? And is the kingdom in that list? Can I be just super transparent? For me, as a pastor, giving everything away for the kingdom could mean that I don't get to pastor the largest church in the city. Because I'm busy pastoring a church that's becoming disciples and is impacting the city and people that get saved because of the things that we do might choose to go somewhere else to worship but the kingdom grows even though the church might not I just want you to understand like I'm not just telling you to figure this out I get to figure this out that's part of my dirt, right? right? And just where I'm at right now, I'm just like, I'm looking at this treasure. I'm like, God, this is is what I want. I want the kingdom. I want the kingdom more than anything else. And whatever we have to buy to get that, I'll do it. Because I can see heaven. Not something far off in the distance. I can actually see heaven invading this place. God, take it all if I get that. They're just going to start to sing this song. I'm going to call you to respond. And and you can respond right where you are in that comfortable chair because we're all Americans. Or you could move. It could cost you something just to find a place. Maybe just to spin around and kneel at your chair just spend a moment with the Lord saying God I want to I want to hunger for you so much that I would I would I would dig through however much dirt I have to dig through to find the kingdom as they sing you just respond to the Lord